bedroom apartment on the west side of Los Angeles, it's High On Film! Tonight, we've got Alex Drummond and Split. I took six months of Kempo Karate class on this week's Unbreakable episode. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of High On Film, sobering talk about movies. I'm Chris Maxwell, welcome to episode 215, today discussing the latest from one of High On Film's favorite directors, M. Night Shyamalan. Written and directed uh, from a movie from 2016 known as Split. Uh, of course, I should mention from here on out, spoilers are inherent. And I would say not only for Split, but for most of the M. Night Shyamalan career. I feel like uh, there's a lot to dig in here. A lot of uh, connections to other movies that have been made uh, brought to light uh, with the media recently as well. So we'll be talking about a whole bunch about the latest multiple personality horror film from the master of the twist, M. Night Shyamalan. I'm Chris Maxwell. I'm your host. Welcome to the show. With me, as always, the man who's right to my left, the podcaster of disaster, the co-host from the couch, and the Brad Davis that God gave us, Brad Davis. Chris Maxwell. Oh, hey, Brad. Hey. What's up? Funny running into you here. I know. <laughs> what brings you here today? Uh, I don't know. Just moseying along. I figured I'd sit down at the table and do a little podcasting. Yeah, we just watched Split for the first time. Both of us, yes. Yeah, I, and spoiler alert, the third person uh, here has never seen it before as well. What a twist. How exciting, actually. Uh, we've watched just about all of... Mr. Shyamalan's work. Yes, I think the only thing I've missed is Last Airbender. I I agree with you. I've I've not seen that one. Um, but as far as his everything from Sixth films, Sense on, because yeah. I, I think he did some early film before that too that I've never seen. Yes, that's true. I believe Rosie O'Donnell's in it. Is that right? Oh, or I don't something know. Like that. It's that's like a interesting. It's more of a broad comedy, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, what do you think? Off the bat here, what, what do you think of Split? Now, we've reviewed The Visit when it came out. Yes. We've, of course, famously done an M. Night, all-night all M. Night Shyamalan marathon. So famously. And we've covered Lady in the Water as well. Unfortunately. Perhaps his worst <laughs> piece of work. <laughs> that and After Earth are oh, yeah, neck after and Earth. neck. Yeah. I can always forget about After Earth. You keep trying, and I commend <laughs> you for that. Thanks, Brad. I, I do my best. Um, what do you think? Let's put it this way. You like it better or or less than The Visit? Probably better. Since we're now in like the new age of Shyamalan. I, I, the simplicity of The Visit was really nice, and the twist was also just kind of this little thing, and it's kind of a more simple film. Uh, and I did like that movie, but I think this is a better movie, most in my opinion. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed it. Not to say I don't have small little things. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I the man always makes an entertaining movie, at least the first time through. At Except Lady in the Water. I did not find that entertaining. The and first time After Earth. Oh, not yeah, yeah. You keep no. forgetting about it. <laughs> the Village, actually, I have it's a lot like of problems trauma. with trauma. <laughs> like, I've really tried to block it out. Um, again, Village, first half, I'm fine with. Uh, I'm not anymore. Not after a second viewing. But okay. That's neither here nor there. We've discussed that. We have. At length. <laughs> Alright, well let's get to our guest. He is returning for his second time here on the podcast. He is a filmmaker and a writer, and I am delighted to have uh, the director of Killer Party back on the show, Alex Drummond. Hey guys, thanks for having me. A oh, pleasure, Alex. Our Welcome back. Pleasure. Alright, yeah. So, you chose this movie for us to watch. 
what was the motivation behind it? Like, why? Because you sent me a list of things that you were interested in doing. Three hundred movies. Three hundred <laughs> movies. We <laughs> chopped away at it, uh, and here we are. We arrived at Split. What propelled you to watch this movie? Was it just because you haven't seen it before? Well, I haven't seen it. Um, I thought like a Shyamalan movie would be a great movie to discuss. You know, uh, horror. You know, so I figure kind of like keeping that in that realm in terms of discussing a movie for the podcast right now. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, you guys are doing the shows on aliens. It kind of got me in that mindset of like going to, you know, uh, genre movies and stuff as well. So, All right. How versed are you in the Shyamaverse? I, so I haven't seen Last Airbender, After Earth. I don't think I watched Lady in the Water either. I might have had it. And you're you're doing yourself it, a favor, you know. I think, on all three of those fronts. And I didn't see the Rosie O'Donnell one. Really. <laughs> <laughs> the comedy. Yeah. Uh, did you like The Visit? I uh, I liked it okay. I liked this one more. Okay. Yeah. You know. um, because of the conceit? Because of... I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret that James McAvoy carries this film. Uh, I mean, it's. I think he makes it... He probably elevates it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Definitely does. Do you think it's because of that performance, or do you think they're like the story is inherently just something that you find more interesting than grandkids with crazy grandparents? Well, you know, I think probably my problem with the visit was like it was like the found footage of them talking to the camera stuff, which I just like. Yeah, I still have a hard time with that. I think it was, you know, I I was glad. I mean, it's like I root for him. I think in in ways as a filmmaker, and uh, so with this one in particular, that you know now he's kind of back on top. And, uh, you know, yeah, I just, I kind of, yeah, certainly McAvoy, I think, like, the the whole idea of, you know, people trapped, it's like, you know, when you're, you know, doing, like, a low-budget horror or that kind of thing, you know, it's like, I'm always curious of how they're going to do it then, or how, you know, like, take this idea of, like, okay, these girls have been kidnapped, those movies have been done, or, sure. you know, I thought of, like, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane, or... There was a movie I saw at a festival this past year, maybe it was the year before, called All I Need, which was also, like, pretty girls kidnapped, mm-hmm. you know, and held in a room. So I was just curious to see, you know, how, well, how did they do this one? This is, like, the big the big version of it. Right, know, right. The $10 I, million, dollar whatever, version of that movie. I, I love the comparison to 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, I mean, very much trapped in an underground space with someone who you have no idea what their intentions are or how far you can trust them. Uh, I'd say in this movie's case, any of the personalities, um, and obviously they show that there is some con- uh, deceit there that the personalities have too in playing each other. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it drums up that paranoia of, uh, yeah, confined spaces. Um, all right, excellent. Well, let's, uh, oh, I should say, I, I looked up the title. It's called Wide Awake. Is the his first movie? Mm-hmm. Um, is the year before Sixth Sense uh, with Rosie O'Donnell, Robert Loggia, and Dennis Leary oh, about wow. a boy whose grandmother dies? I think it said on the the IMDb. The end. Oh, uh, a ten year old boy goes on a search for God after his grandfather dies. Hmm. So there you go, a little bit of a spirituality <laughs> there. Certainly something not uncommon in Shyamalan movies. Yeah. But let's get to some trash star destroy. It's our first <laughs> segment on the show. A little bit of a movie barometer. See uh, how your tastes fall. Now, as I said, uh, it has come to light in, I'd say, the major entertainment media that Split is a sequel-ish to Unbreakable, which will lead to a third movie called Glass that kind of combines the two. Uh, 
there, I think it's been exposed, and if not, I already gave you the spoiler warning. Warning: Bruce Willis has a cameo at the end of this film. Uh, so let's do three Bruce Willis, M. Night, Shyamalan collaborations. Of course, the one that put him on the map, The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, the superhero one, and now Split, the movie we just watched. A uh, super villain story, origin story. Trash Star Destroy, Split, Unbreakable, Sixth Sense. One of those gets trashed, eliminated forever. One, you get the star in in whatever role you'd like to take for yourself. And of course, the third movie then must be destroyed, which means the only version that has ever existed has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of Bad Boys fame. So, Brad? Yeah. What are you going to do between Split, Unbreakable, and The Sixth Sense? It's a little tough. I wish I would have seen Unbreakable more recently. That would probably make this a bit of an easier decision. Unbreakable. Uh, while Sixth Sense doesn't hold up the way I remember it, for sure, I still really do like that movie. So I'd probably star in that. And I guess I'd take the Bruce Willis role. I mean, that's a fun role to play. Yeah. Um, and I hear he's a little difficult to work with, so I won't... Uh, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan has any problems with well, that. Well, listen, you, you make do when you have a box office name like Bruce Willis. <laughs> uh, which, which, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind acting with him, but there's not another role in that movie that I think really caters to me okay. as well. I don't want to take Haley Joel Osment's role, because actually he was pretty damn good in that movie. Uh, a lot of whispering. Tons of whispering. So much whispering in that movie. There's a little whispering in this film, but not nearly as much as some of his earlier that stuff. That movie was... It was silly how much whispering was in that <laughs> um, So I am going to start in that. So now, I mean, Unbreakable plays probably better into Michael Bay's hands than Split. But at the same time, as long as you have McAvoy in that role, it's hard for me to believe that he could screw it up too much. So I think just, and again, it's more because I've just seen this one more recently. I think I'm going to trash Unbreakable. And I think I'm going to give Split to Michael Bay. I'm more, the thing I want to, out of between those two movies, the thing I want to preserve is McAvoy's performance. Yeah, Michael Bay might put Mark Wahlberg in there. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, th actually, fine. Because <laughs> to watch my, Mark Wahlberg try to play 24 different personalities where he's almost never played a different character in any movie in his life yeah. would be totally worth it. plays a cop. Yeah, a cop or another cop. Yeah, yeah. Or a fireman. Or a cop that's trying out for the Eagles. Or a, <laughs> or a cop. Is so, he a yeah. cop in that movie? I don't, I, don't know. I don't I have no idea. But honestly, that would be enough for me to let Michael Bay give it a whirl, because that would be hilarious. All right. So that's what I'm going with. And I'm sorry, you're trashing... I'm trashing Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Okay. Alex. All right, well, unfortunately, I'm going to echo Brad with slightly different reasons, you know, um... Yeah, I think I would star in The Sixth Sense, you know, like, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a restrained, fatherly performance. I think maybe I could, you know, pull that out of uh, some uh, deep, dark recesses. And by, <laughs> Are you a restrained father? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you know. But, uh, so yeah, Sixth Sense. Oscar nominated. I think, you know, yeah. Um, I would give Michael Bay split. But I think probably because, you know, one of the things of watching this movie, which, you know, now that I'm, I'm getting older, is, like, weird to watch, like, all these, like, teenage girls, like, in their underwear and stuff. And I yeah. felt, like, kind of like a dirty old man. Yeah, I didn't love that either. Well, especially with 
such literal themes of sexual abuse right. that this yeah. film has on multiple characters' parts, but then obviously it uh, echoes here. Well, and it seemed pretty unnecessary, quite honestly, too, in this movie. Like, they didn't... Um, I kind of feel like it was a little bit of a play for probably the younger audience. Yeah. You know, because uh, to get, you know, the that under-25 crowd might be more interested. That's just kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, unfortunately. True. Or the pervert crowd, you know. They sure, you want to that pervert crowd. It motivates the kidnapping sure. oh, totally. that he, yeah. you know, does like to watch young girls dance right. or whatever, right. you know. Right. So, I mean, you do need motivation for him to take people. Totally, so, totally. Uh, I guess my point yeah. is, like, you could still have had them clothed. Not, none of the girls take off their skirts or whatever, and the movie doesn't change at all. Right, that's true. But I will say it doesn't fully sexualize them either. There's no nudity. No, there's not, there's no. no lascivious shots, really. No, like there would be under a Michael Bay split, I assume. Which is why I would <laughs> choose Michael because <laughs> this would kind of be like exactly split on steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so we would have had way more. And why not then? I mean, it's like, if you're going to go, like, then I would probably feel less gross yeah. if you go more. Because <laughs> you're just like, this is silly. This yeah, is you're silly. getting Megan Fox now. You know, it's, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like more oh, shots through the age. legs or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, you know. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, like, I'm, I think I'm one of the few people who I really liked the happening. So more well, I think you are one of them. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that thing. People, like, we saw it at the Arclight, like, the weekend it came out. And I'm sitting there like, man, this movie's amazing. And the audience booed at the end. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, really? I, I like, thought the oh, first man. 20 minutes were really cool. Yeah. And then after that, it went downhill pretty quickly. I love the conceit. Again, I like, you know, The Village, like where I love a 50% of it. Uh, happening, I remember loving about 15 to 20 minutes of it before. Yeah. I was like, oh, boy. Although, I think it's going to work further down the road as a very blatant allegorical symbol of what we do in our times that like we are destroying the environment environment, to such an extent it's gonna come back to get us yeah i mean sure when we're all drowning i mean we'll watch this movie like oh yeah we're gonna watch the happening while we're drowning (laughs) the tidal waves are coming for los angeles (laughs) wow what a terrible way to go (laughs) for so many reasons so yeah like i think you know that uh you know Mark Wahlberg then. It's like, I definitely, when I watched it at that point, that was kind of like the the height of Mark Wahlberg's kind of like popularity there. And he's still, yeah. like I do, like I still, I really like Mark Wahlberg. I like, I too. you know, I watched the uh, Deep, uh, Deepwater Horizon just recently and I was like, man, I really like this movie. You liked it? Okay, I, I didn't had, see I that one. I had Patriot State waiting for me at home. Which I'm <laughs> kind of dreading to watch a little bit just because of the subject matter, but I was like, yeah, Mark Wahlberg's in it, I'll, I'll watch it, so. Yeah, he got some so, John Goodman in there, too, which is right, always, John Goodman. always yeah, enjoy watching Like, all cast, probably, and then yeah. Yeah. Kevin Bacon and J.K. Simmons, I think. Oh, he's in Patriot I State, I think too? so. Is Kevin Bacon in it, too, or no? I, I believe think so. of other Boston. No, 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 I think you're right. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember seeing the trailer, and there's, yeah. like, five pretty huge actors in that movie. Yeah. I think we named at least some of them. <laughs> at least five of them. <laughs> so then, I, I would have to... Destroy. Uh, Michael Bay's. Un- well, no, no. So it's oh, trash. 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 Yeah. Eliminate. So I would eliminate Unbreakable, and mm. and you know that's one that I think I saw it the day it came out, and I kind of was like let down at first when I saw it. You know, like I was like, ah, oh, it was good, but I, I don't know. Like I expected another kind of Sixth Sense experience. Yeah, it's a super soft ending. 
Yeah. Like, there's not a big climax to right. it. It's really just, like, a slight reveal that you kind of see coming anyway, and then it ends. Right. So I was like, oh, man. So I was a little let down, although now I want to go back and watch it again. I actually had started it the other night um, and watched maybe the first 20 or 30 minutes on HBO. And I was like, oh, I'm into it. This is good. You know, yeah. like, and, you know, so I think it was just one of those sometimes, like, the first time watching it because of expectations, I... I didn't give it its full appreciation. Well, especially after Sixth Sense, too, which was, like, such a huge movie, and at the time, like, you know, Oscar-nominated, and the big twist at the ending, which was, you know, pretty brilliant. Um, so I could see why your expectations would be a little right. unrealistic. I remember, like, we saw The Sixth Sense the second weekend it came out, mm. and I was that was, like, my Bruce Willis phase. I was, like, love sure. Bruce Willis movies. Sure. So I would just see everything that Bruce Willis was in. And Don't we all... You know, it was like, all right, so, you know, he'd been in some crappy movies, but I was like, I'm going to go see it. I see, like, everything. So, uh, no expectations whatsoever for the movie. And then that, yeah, it, like, really blew me away then. Because it was like, I just thought I was going to see a crappy Bruce Willis movie. Yeah. You know? Expectations <laughs> yeah. are a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Even more, more and more now that we get trailer upon trailer, plus teaser trailers, plus additional footage Not from the much. latest yeah. Yeah, plus, con plus festival. Plus little fun facts we've heard, or, yeah. you know. There's a whole contingency of people out there who no longer watch trailers because mm. they reveal too much. I get it. They'd this, rather go in blind. The trailer for this movie kind of, not ruined it for me, but certainly gave away elements of it. Okay. Interesting. I yeah. didn't find, I mean, I watched the trailers for this, and I didn't find it to be... Anything ruined the movie for me too much. Yeah, I think... I even knew some of the Bruce Willis stuff before going in. I knew... Right. I, I mean, it didn't ruin the movie for me. heard it was a cameo, but I wasn't quite sure in what capacity, if it was just mentioned or if he actually was in it. Yeah, see, I wish I didn't know that, because I just... That came out, like, last week. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ago, I wish so, I would have right? known yeah, that Yeah, it was like, as my brother said, oh, the last scene or something, you know? Okay. You wait for it or something. I was like, all right. But, but then, knowing that, I was like, oh, it's going to be the last scene. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's something in the trailer, too, for this movie that kind of shows the beast, him in beast mode, mm. and kind of... It, beast mode. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up in beast mode. Um, and it would have been kind of nice to not have that in my mind, because then it would have been like, oh, maybe this is all bullshit. Like, maybe it's just going to get to the end, and he's just the 23rd... There is no 24th identity, mm. or the 24th identity is something else, but I kind of knew all along, like, no, this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So... Not that it was a big deal, but it would just been kind of nice to go in a little more blind for that. Sure. Well, now you know for the future, Brad. Never watch a trailer again. No more trailers. Uh, boy, what to do here? I, I'm tempted to star in Sixth Sense as Donnie Wahlberg. Just get that big scene in the beginning. Um, oh, right, right. I was like, what's Donnie Wahlberg in that? Oh, yeah, he plays the patient. Yeah, the patient who shoots Bruce Willis. Right. Um... But I, I, I like the other two movies so much more. <sighs> you like Split and Unbreakable more than Sixth Sense? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I think okay. I did. Especially now that I've had like, what, two and a half, three, four viewings of Sixth Sense in my lifetime. I've kind of, I've soured on that movie more than I think I ever anticipated. Oh. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it's novelty. And maybe this is saying it being a little too harsh, but the novelty has kind of wore off for me at this point. Like, that last time through, I think, for the podcast, I was just like, ugh. I mean, now knowing this, the twist so much, like, I just feel like it's just conveniences and, like, little little loops to fool you rather than uh, actually twist you into it. But Well, that's my biggest problem with Village. Right, right, yeah, as we were talking yeah. about, I was trying to maybe not jump all into that again. No, no. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 
Not to say I won't watch it again. I'm always open to this man's career. I'm terribly split on, to be honest with you. Oh, <laughs> ding. Uh, but then I'm going to give Michael Bay Unbreakable. I think that might be fun to inject a little adrenaline into that film. Um, because uh, it is. like the, I, I remember the most action in that scene being the one where he rescues the people from this person who abducts people, which is where I thought Split was going to fit in. Um, and then gets trapped in the pool tarp, mm -hmm. which is like a, you know, he almost dies because he drowns rather than being, you know, pierced or whatever by anything. Uh, and that was honestly one of the best scenes there, or most active scenes in that movie that I can remember. So to have Michael Bay really jazz that up, <laughs> give a little more superhero yeah. stuff to it, I, I, I would kind of prefer, even though it is like the anti-superhero movie. Um, yeah, and I guess that means trash split. We'll just go straight to glass and then, uh... Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm. No qualms about that. My scruples are minimal. About that. <laughs> all right, let's do one more category before we get out of trash star destroy. Of course, split about a man with twenty three to twenty four personalities. Let's do three movies about multiple personalities. We'll do one of the most uh, another famous twist movie, Fight Club. We'll do the Jim Carrey classic, Me, Myself, and Irene. And perhaps the most famous multiple personality movie, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Psycho. A lot of, Fight little little to Psycho in this movie. Oh, well, rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. Psycho, Fight Club, me, myself, and Irene. Well, I immediately have to start in Psycho. Psycho is one of my favorite movies of all time by my favorite director of all time. So, I have to start in Psycho. Boy, there's obvious... Uh, temptation to take the Norman Bates role just because it's iconic. Mm -hmm. But man, Anthony Perkins is so damn good in that movie. Uh, should I take the Sam, whatever his name is, the boyfriend role? Loomis? Sam Loomis, yes. That is. Good call. Um, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to be really selfish, <laughs> screw up movie history, uh -huh. and take the role of Norman Bates. All right. It's too fun not to. Yeah. Um, in which case, then that leaves Fight Club and, oh, Me, Myself, and Irene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I know that monkey wrench really makes it hard to decide. Jeez. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll give Fight Club to Michael Bay. I mean, that movie's probably going to take a hit because of it in a big way. I mean, Fincher in particular is such a better director. Uh, but I think... Damn, Aliens 3 last week. David yeah. Fincher. Uh, but I think... I mean, I guess I'd pr prefer to keep that movie over Me, Myself, and Irene, which is actually a pretty funny movie. Uh, but, and Michael Bay could actually, that would actually be a very Michael Bay comedy if he had directed Me, Myself, and Irene. Like, I could see how that would <laughs> sure. absolutely be a Michael Bay film. Okay. Uh, but I think I'd be more interested to see Michael Bay's Fight Club. And I'm going to trash than Me, Myself, and Irene. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Yeah, not an yeah. easy. Decision. I mean, I do think Michael Bay probably has more potential to do a movie about a cop with a multiple personality disorder than <laughs> people who are anti-establishment. Sure. I think probably the establishment and uh, fascist enforcement is probably more Michael Bay's. That plays more into his hands, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, let's, hey, uh, right. let's put him outside his comfort. Challenge him. I like yeah. that. Alex, what are you doing here? All right, well, I'm going to star in Fight Club. Mm -hmm, sure. You know, but uh, not as Brad Pitt. Not as, you know, I'll be, I'll be Edward Norton. 
I like it. You know, uh, which actually watching this movie, I did think of Edward Norton a little bit. Because it was like, you know, this would be a part that, you know, maybe 15 years ago, Edward Norton would have starred in. Oh, yeah. Split. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's Primal right. Fear. Primal Fear. Because it was like, you know, something, something Primal Fear. Um, so, yeah, big Ed Norton fan. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I would, I would do that. Um, unfortunately, as much as I, I do like a bunch of the Farrelly Brothers movies, I would, I would have to trash uh, me, myself, and Irene. Um, even though I, I saw it twice in the movie theaters. My, wow. My wife, Rachel, like, loves Jim Carrey. Sure, know? I'm a big so Jim Carrey like, fan. So we would go, and, and the second time I had met, we were in New York City, and, like, uh, we'd gone out drinking at McSorley's oh, bar yeah. before that, which is apparently like, the oldest bar in the city. Or yeah, something. two beers, uh, with, light like, and a dark. a bunch of friends, yeah, light and dark beers. <laughs> and we kind of went to happy hour, and we're like, hey, let's go see a movie. You know, we went to go to Uptown to, like, the... Like the 42nd Street, there's like those big movie theaters there, and uh, we all fell asleep. Like it was a bunch of <laughs> bunch of people. We all fell asleep. Myself and Irene, the second time, yeah. and then we woke up, and the movie was over, and the theater was empty. Oh, hilarious! And no one came in to wake you up. No, or anything? but wow. it was like in between. It was just like, it was like, oh my god, we fell asleep during that. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Yeah. And then uh, you know, let's give Michael Bay Psycho. I think you know again, like. It'd be pretty crazy, mm -hmm. you know. Maybe be Mark Wahlberg in the lead role. Yes, so, I would. You know, pay again to watch Mark Wahlberg play Norman Bates. <laughs> the Gus Van Sant shot for shot remake of Psycho then becomes even more of an interesting experiment if right. Michael Bay did the original. Yes. Uh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Gus Van Sant remake any Michael Bay movie. To be honest with you, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> butting of ideas. I would love that. <laughs> uh. I'm kind of with you, though. I, I think I have to start in Fight Club, work with David Fincher, being, you know, one of the more modern-day, uh, I'm hesitant to say masterpieces, but certainly Geistian or classics uh, of, of the modern era would be pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't take Brad Pitt's role. I mean, it's too, he's too iconic for that role, and who wants to put themselves through whatever workout the <laughs> diet he had to have for yeah, that yeah, yeah. that Brad Pitt diet. Yeah, I have to have my shirt off a lot, no way. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I just can't imagine how little you get to eat <laughs> to have those abs. Um, but then, yeah, there's, there's a problem here. I, I, God, I might trash Psycho. I think that's what I'm looking at, is trashing Psycho. So then the Gus Van Sant Psycho is the only one that exists? Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, I think that Psycho is probably... The best and my favorite Hitchcock movie, too. But it's going away for to save it from Bay. Going Me, myself, away to and save Irene. It from Bay. Yeah. Jim Carrey in a Michael Bay movie. I'm, I'm not too uh, opposed to that if he keeps that casting. But yeah, I mean, a cop going a little crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm down to see Michael Bay do that. So there you go. And I'm excited. I wanted to say, I'm sorry, uh, Jim Carrey's new movie I'm very excited for The Bad Batch. Oh, he's in that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Cannibal that. Town in really? Texas. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. It's like him and Giovanni Ribisi and Diego Luna and... There's one other big name. There's there another too. big name that I'm forgetting. Anyway. Nice. But yeah, Jim Carrey uh, potentially as a cannibal. I'm very, very excited to see what he can do there. All right. Well, that's Trash Star Destroying for another week. We're going to take a quick break and come right back with more Split, more High on Film, and more Alex Drummond right after this.
we're back. High on film, talking split with Alex Drummond today. All right, guys, here we go. We're digging into the movie we just watched, Split from 2016. We're going to start things off, of course, with the summary game. In this game, we're each going to give uh, the best try, what do I say, the old college try, uh, giving a summary of Split in a thousandth of the time that it actually takes to view. So a uh, 117-minute movie. That does not include the alternate ending that we got to see, which is only about 15 seconds long anyway. If that. 117-minute uh, movie gives us 11.7 seconds to give uh, your best summary of the movie for a total of zero to two points, as scored uh, by your peers around the podcast table today. Please feel free to use decimals to refine your score on your scorecards as we do this. During our break, we had our patented coin toss, coin toss, and Brad, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You, you won. The streak continues. The streak continues, and you again win the prerogative of choosing first, second, or third for the games today. Uh, I'll let you go first, Chris. You are so kind. I know I am. You knew I was chomping at the bit to summarize split. Yep. <clears throat> uh, okay. How much time? Sorry. 11.7 seconds. 11.7 seconds. Are you ready, Chris? Uh, sure. In three, two, one. Three teenage girls are kidnapped by a, a guy with uh, 23 personalities. He locks them in a strange basement, um, kind of tortures them, uh, has them gradually undress. He has OCD. His uh, doctor tries to find uh, out. <clears throat> Damn it. Damn it. All right. Well. Yeah. That is what it is. Yeah. It wasn't bad. No. You just kind of got. You I didn't fell get to the end. Short. You yeah. fell a little <laughs> short. Yeah. I got the premise down. The premise was there, but yeah, yeah the. Pretty much everything after the premise kind of got left out. Sure. Well, I couldn't remember a psychologist or, oh. or uh, psychiatrist is actually probably the word. Yeah. For I Dr. Mean, I guess, Fletcher. I guess it depends on if she's giving him medicine. That's the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. You can is that the only medicine. difference? I believe so. Psychiatrists hmm. can prescribe medicine. Psychologists cannot. Interesting. Maybe that's the problem there then. But she's Maybe. a psychologist. Yeah. Maybe. Gosh. Well, she seems to be the only one who's able to properly understand what's going on and diagnose yeah. him. Yeah, but you never see him at any point in the movie like taking medication, which seems like it would be an inherent thing for a, a mental disorder of this nature. But I don't know shit about it. So. Yeah, or he has before and it never helped. So maybe so here we are. All right, Brad, it's your turn. See if you can do any better. All right. Actually, wouldn't it be... Oh, no, yep, it's Alex's turn, because I've only done this podcast 215 times, and I can't remember that we go counterclockwise. Okay. Sorry. Another personality coming out. Oh, yeah. He hasn't done the podcast much. Oh, boy. Just kidding. I'm not trying to make fun of DID. All right. Alex, 11.7 seconds in three, two, one. Three teenage girls are kidnapped by a... Crazy dude with multiple personalities, locked in a basement. Uh, he goes to visit his doctor. The doctor can't figure out that he's something's really wrong with him until it's too late. She Time. goes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it in line though. Can't figure out what's wrong with him until it's too late. Yep. Actually, that does work. Yeah. That sums up the ending. That's true. <laughs> and then Brad. Okay. <clears throat> Ready to take us home? Oh, sure. Why not? Make sure, because our listeners who haven't seen this movie and don't care about spoilers <laughs> don't really understand what's going on in this film. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Two summaries. I'll try to jump ahead a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 11.7 seconds in three, two, one. A man with multiple personality disorder uh, kidnaps three girls. It turns out that 23 of the personalities uh, are 
fighting against the 24th personality, which is supposed to be this beast that overtakes him. It does overtake him. He kills two of the girls. One survives. Time. Okay. A little more. A little more. A little more. Not too bad. But yeah. It goes fast. Yeah, it does. Seconds. It yeah. always does. Uh, yeah, but it's like a coup between, what, three of the personalities to bring forth the 24th personality. Right. Well, it's really Patricia and Dennis who then kind of use Hedwig in yeah. order to... Because he's special and can take over, take the light or the, over the, take over the body, I guess. At any moment. At any moment that he wants. And he's only, he's a nine-year-old kid. Yeah, and he's been aligned so by the be. two more aggressive evil personalities, for lack of a better term, um, trying to protect Kevin, who is the base form of McAvoy. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. Good accuracy. Good yeah. accuracy. Yes. Thanks, man. All right, let's... Uh, Too let's... bad it wasn't in your summary. <laughs> <laughs> I would venture to guess that that took a little, little more than 11.7 seconds to stutter out. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's play another game, guys. It's time for first impressions. In this game, we're each going to supply the person sitting to our right with a line from Split we'd like to hear them impersonate, this time for zero to three points. Uh, since I kicked it off, Alex, you're going to get to go first and give Brad any line you'd like to hear him impersonate. All right, well... Brad, you are a master actor. <laughs> yes, yes, so thank you for noticing. I'm going to give you a line from The Beast. It's actually more than a line. It's almost like a whole monologue. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so really, you know, if you want to warm up, get those chops ready. Okay. But, uh, should I say the line first? Or uh, you written, or do you want to... Yeah, play no, we can just play it, it from here yeah, if you want McAvoy to do the yeah. Uh, honors. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to influence Brad's uh, performance at all with my own take on it. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> you are different from the rest. Putting on a little Buffalo Bill. A little bit. R.I.P. Jonathan Demi. Whenever you're ready, Brad. You are different from the rest. Your heart is pure. Rejoice! Broken are the more evolved. Oh, pretty good. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Red in the face. He got a little yeah. Yeah. popping it. out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was like method acting. He was like bending the bars there. Yeah. yeah. Kind of get warmed up and he got right into it. Blood seeping through his teeth. He yeah. turned yeah. into a different person. He did. Like a, yeah. Hell of a job, Brad. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, the beast. When you commit, you commit. The beast, I was got scared. Little, got a little caught up there. He's Woo. blocking the door, too. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, right I'm trapped. <laughs> You just got to say his full name. Let yes. me write it out for you. Yes. You got to rumple Stiltskin him. <laughs> uh, all right. Wow. Great job, Brad. Thank was, you. Yeah. 
One for the books, man. All right. Thank you very much. You got a line for me? Uh, yes. This is also a McAvoy line, but this is him as, I believe, Dennis at this point. Uh, he's coming into the room. Glasses on. Yeah, that's Dennis. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's coming into the room, and the three girls are still all in the same room at this point. And, you know, you at this point have, they've established kind of how scary he is, and you assume this is another point of him torturing them in some way. But actually, he's coming in just to uh, get them to clean up their area a little better. No, please keep your area neat. The bathroom, it's unacceptable. Make it easy. I've color-coded these. Use a blue bottle for the floor and the pink bottle for the ceramic surfaces. Okay. What is that like? A, is that a slight Philadelphia accent? Is that supposed or to be or? a little Boston? A little Bostony. Yeah. I was wondering what accent that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, please keep your area neat. The bathroom—it's unacceptable. To make it easy, I've color coded these. Use the blue bottle for the floor and the pink bottle for the ceramic surfaces. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad yeah. actually. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. close. It's probably a little more. It's, he's a little softer. Yeah. Um, and a little more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reserved. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, would say, I mean, it's a, it was a pretty good job. Yeah. It's right. kind of like the Wahlberg version of Dennis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If Wahlberg yeah. was in the exactly. role. Yeah. 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 That would be what it was. <laughs> Please keep your area neat. The bathroom, it's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not bad. Right? Make it easy. I've color coded these. Use <laughs> the blue bottle for the floor, the pink bottle for the ceramic surfaces. <laughs> Uh, I think that's my favorite impression you it's not, it's not like spot on, but no, damn, it's good. I don't think I can do a single spot on impression. No, I don't think you can either. But it's a beautiful characterization. Yeah, no. Thank it's, you. It's the essence. Yeah, there's the essence. All right, Alex, I got a line for you if you're ready. Sure. Uh, what was my. Oh, well, I'm going to give you a, a, another James McAvoy line, uh, but a different personality. You're going to get to play the nine year old Hedwig. Uh, Foretelling the coming of the beast, and then ending with a little bit of a non sequitur. Okay. As uh, a child would do. Someone's coming for you, and you're not gonna like it. You guys make noises in your sleep. Tell us. I'm not supposed to say. But he's done awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you. I have blue socks too. Where's food? All right. Adding to the fact that he has red socks. Go ahead. I'm not supposed to say, but he's done awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you. I have blue socks. All right. You got, you got a little list good. there. That was nice. <laughs> that was very good, Alex. <laughs> All right. Well, once you're done scoring, you can put your scorecards to the side as we enter into scene work. More open forum discussion about the movie Split. Of course, we're an optimistic podcast, so we like to start things off optimistically, which means, do-do-do-do, best scene. What's the best scene in M. Night Shyamalan's Split? That's actually kind of tough. I mean, it's so much of it is McAvoy's performance, I think. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess I'd say... Actually, that scene with Hedwig kind of sitting in the doorway there is actually a pretty great scene. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I think a lot. I really liked a lot of the stuff with the Doctor. I liked all the scenes with the Doctor a lot, especially because I think McAvoy did some of his not better acting, but more controlled acting there. Uh, particularly the scene where they're a the scene right uh, like before she gets knocked out uh, by him. Mm -hmm. Kind of leading up, like, when she first gets to his, you know, lair, or whatever you want to call it, and, like, comes in. Like, the suspense building in that scene is palpable. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, even the scene before that where she's talking to Barry, where, and she's saying, like, I know you're Dennis. And he's, like, you're watching him kind of react to all this, and he's, like, half crying, and he's tearing up. Like, all that was kind of the more interesting stuff to me. Because I felt like the Doctor, while the girls are obviously, you're rooting for them to get out of there, I feel like the Doctor all along throughout this movie, you're like, you know she's screwed. Like, you know she's probably dead at some point. Mm -hmm. And every time he comes to her apartment, or her, yeah, I guess her apartment, yeah. um, is even the first one where he's just kind of like circling the room and looking at things and you're kind of don't know what to expect from him at this point because it's the first time you've seen him be good. Mm-hmm. Be Barry, I guess, so where yeah. he's not. Well, he's pretending to be Barry. Yeah, I guess he's pretending to be. Or is yeah, he because Dennis has the OCD, and that's why he's adjusting the chocolate dish uh, and pushing true. the book in. He's pretending because it's Barry and the others that are emailing her, uh, Dr. Fletcher, right? Saying, scheduling these emergency appointments, but it's always Dennis who shows up uh, pretending, okay. to, be, pretending to, be to be Barry so that she doesn't think anything's wrong. Right. Um, so, all of those scenes I liked so much, especially because it's a lot, it's actual. Uh, you know, dialogue between two characters. So mm -hmm. you're getting a lot more give and take and you're, you're kind of delving more into his condition, which was kind of the more interesting part here of how his mind kind of works. So those, all, all those scenes I, I really loved. Worked for you. Okay. Alex? Well, you know, there's, yeah, there's a ton of great scenes. Obviously, McAvoy's amazing. I mean, like the, the scene where he finally confronts Casey or they're, they're face to face and, She's saying his name was, was great. Um, yes. Oh, that scene is great. Rumble still skin. And, yeah. still and he finally him. turns into Kevin. Right. Yes. Right. And he I mean, tells her to fun. kill me. Yeah, yeah. that, that awesome. scene is awesome. But I'm going to choose the scene that actually made me feel the most is also probably the scene of it could have been the worst, which was the final scene. Mm. Because it's just, I don't know, I'm so corny that I loved them revealing Bruce Willis sitting at the freaking diner. Like, I don't know. I just love that. I was like... If, if I'm sure the effect that that scene had on me was the effect that M. Night wanted it to have on people. And it just, like, I was like, oh, I had chills. I was, like, so excited. And and uh, so, yeah, just him saying, Mr. Glass, drinking a cup of coffee. It was, like, to me, I loved it. I was like, it made the movie worth it. I joked that after the movie. And I was like, yeah, it was completely corny, but I loved it. So okay. That, for me, was my my best scene. Wow, all right. I have a lot to say on that, but I think I might wait till uh, the next half segment here. Because I don't think you're wrong. I mean, the reveal's awesome. I like, wish that it would have just been the report coming through on the TV and none of the people in the diner talking. If they would just been watching it and that girl didn't say, remember that guy exactly. 15 no, years exactly. ago? That's if she doesn't say no, that, no, that and you just yeah. reveal that Bruce Willis yeah. is drinking a cup of coffee right. and he looks up at the TV and then we go black, right. that would have been awesome. enough for me. Yeah. Would, you have, would that have been enough to tell you what he's referencing? I think so. I okay. mean, I mean, obviously you have the information now. You already know that these right. movies. So if you didn't have that information though, and you just see Bruce Willis sitting in the diner, would you have put 
it together that we're connecting to the Unbreakable world. Probably. Or okay. it could I mean, be there's only two other. It could have been. It could have been a yeah, sixth sense reference too. But at either way, I would have been more satisfied with that because then it would have been speculation, and then glass comes yeah. out, and you're like, "Oh man, here it all works 100%. together." Yeah, yeah. Okay. That being said, right. it was a funny, funny expositional line. Of oh, what yeah. was the name of that guy? Well, especially because like in prison fifteen years ago, there's like, almost no connection to, between what Mister Glass, who he is, and what he does, and what the Horde and right. Kevin are doing. Uh, right. Like I, w- I don't put that on the layman in the diner to put those two crimes together so far apart. Like that just seems a little weird. Yeah, no, for that me. is a little weird. Yeah, because what. And they, they do it through, Just like, a nickname. A super the, the media oh, nickname. The media. That, is that the connection? But, like, okay. the media gives nicknames to any killer or kidnapper or criminal, I feel like. Oh, it's the Boston Strangler. Oh, you know, like, that's, mm-hmm. like, a famous thing they do. Yeah. So to connect those two seems a little shoehorned for me. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll save more of that for later, if it needs <laughs> bringing up again. For me, I really loved the Beast reveal stuff. Uh, with Dr. Fletcher before he crushes her in his arms. Um, with the knife, especially, when she tries to stab him and you find out, oh, shit, he is, his skin's in, unpenetrable. It's as hard as a rhinoceros skin is, yeah, just, I think, what they say. snaps. Yeah, like a butter knife or small steak knife does. Um, and you watch, like, his muscles kind of flex, the veins come to the surface. Like, I really like that a lot as she's, like, helplessly kind of dying and you watch him become this, like, supervillain oh, monster yeah. thing. Yeah, no. Uh, and I do want to mention uh, almost actually a reversal of a shot from the village that I really loved in this film when I believe it's Dennis at this point is holding a knife to Marsha's stomach mm. after they try to escape the second time uh, from Patricia and she's like butter uh, putting mayonnaise on the sandwiches. And she, they they hold the shot at stomach level. So you just see this knife and the tip like almost like going into her belly button like as he's threatening her and you never look at the faces. And I mean, it's it's a cool shot. It builds the tension, and uh, yeah, I like that it's a reversal of the village where, what is it? Adrian Brody is stabbing Joaquin, and yes. you don't see or hear the knife, but you just see Joaquin's face change as Brody is now stabbing him right in the gut. Um, it was a great shot in that movie. It's a great shot in this movie. Mm. Yeah, that scene too, the of her taking them in to give them sandwiches. The tension building in that scene. Is so good too, and him like, uh, I mean, him playing, I guess, Patricia at that point. Yeah, when she's making the sandwiches, yeah. it might be switched back to Dennis by the time he's after he's hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but as Patricia like playing the mu- like listening to the music and then like mm-hmm. flips out because the sandwich isn't cut evenly enough. Yeah, like it's that, and then like kind of the build of like she's picking up the chair and creeping up and like it's is it's gonna work. Yeah, yeah. Is she gonna turn is McAvoy gonna turn around at the last second and like stop it. No, he hits her and she's running like yeah, the tension building in that scene is great too. Excellent. Alright. Well, there's a best scene. There must be do-do-do-do worst scene. What is it? Now I've I've already made apparent my distaste for <laughs> just the dialogue, really. Again, if it would have just been a reveal and he's sitting there, I think I would have been a little more like, oh, awesome, cool. Uh but the dialogue was just a little too pinpoint for me to, to swallow smoothly. Yeah, it was a little sloppy. Yeah. And 
It's yeah, they gave cool. him a funny name too. Okay, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's a problem because you don't like 15 years ago too. Like that would like stick in your mind. Like what was that villain yeah. when I was 12? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like it just doesn't. Like, you don't remember things like like that's not the way you remember things. Well, is that your worst scene, Brad, or do you have something else? Um, I mean, certainly the exposition of uh, the delivery of that exposition was a big problem for me. Um, I guess I. <sighs> The the uncle, the Casey, who's kind of the main girl who lives, uh, there's this whole kind of side storyline that her uncle, like, has abused her since she was a child, and now her father has passed away. She lives with her uncle, who's mm-hmm. the abuser. And, I mean, we get some very uncomfortable scenes with, like, which is a scene, it's, it's kind of my worst scene because it made me the most uncomfortable. It's probably not the actual worst scene in this movie but like him saying like oh we're and he's like you know down to his underwear telling her to like come behind this rock yeah and like oh we get you know and you know come over here you want to make i'm gonna tell your dad you were being mean and animals get naked too like obviously he's going to abuse this child uh and i guess i and maybe she'll be part of the sequel so this will we'll see more of this in glass you don't really get a solution to that. Like you see at the end, she's waiting in the cop car. A policeman, com- a policewoman comes over and says, you know, your uncle's here to pick you up after she's like been rescued. And she just kind of gives the cop this look of like, I don't want to go with him. Yeah. And the cop does kind of acknowledge it. Like you see something in her face where it's like, something's wrong here, but that's really all you get. And for something that's so abhorrent, Mm-hmm. Uh, and awful. I just wanted a, a, uh, yeah, some type of solution that's some type of cathartic, like, oh, he's arrested, or oh, she goes home and, I don't know, stabs him, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just something to, in my mind to know that that's not still happening. Right, that it's still happening is the huge thing like, to me of, like, it's not like, if it was just that scene where he's, like, pretending to be an animal... That was enough. Like, you're like, oh, God, she was molested. Yeah, this is terrible. But then that it's like, then her father died, and she lives with this guy. It's like, you know, and you're like, oh, man, now it's just like, well, too much. It's like, go back to James McAvoy. Yeah, He's not yeah. that bad, you know? I mean, come it's, on, you know? It's like the, a, real, the real monster is the uncle. It, right? it was problematic for me personally to end that storyline that way with really nothing being uh, resolved yeah. in that because that is such a horrible thing. So while it's technically not probably the worst scene, like the exposition delivery of that Mr. Glass thing in that last scene is the worst thing in this movie. Like it is, everything else is so kind of well written and works well. And like, I was having trouble coming up with the worst scene and just that shoehorned in lazy writing certainly was like the thing where I rolled my eyes the most, but that whole storyline is just so ugly that I wanted to see something resolved there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly you're supposed to see her exercising what she couldn't do with her uncle on James McAvoy, who is now also becoming an animal, like her uncle is pretending to be when he first yes. abuses her. And, you see and the then she can't the shoot him, and then now she mm-hmm. can. Although, unfortunately, it's somewhat ineffective. Um, but yeah, but you're right. There, there's little resolution there, but I, I do think that is maybe purposefully open-ended for, for the sequel. Which I, and I believe she's going to be in the sequel, which I'll be kind of interested to see, even more interested to see how that storyline plays out. Right. Yeah. Alex, we're seen. Uh, it was a scene from early in the movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Siri's chiming right. in there on her worst scene. 
My worst scene was... Yeah. Siri, uh, what's the worst scene in Split? Yeah, it was a scene from early in the movie where uh, after um, James McAvoy has left the doctor's uh, apartment slash office, her next-door neighbor kind of, like, calls her over, and it's just, like, two ladies sitting uh, on a couch, yeah. and it's like, I don't know how you do that or something. And I was like, that's, to me, like, I do think that he kind of uses like a little like the exposition often is like too much in his movies you know sure. like and it's like if you could just like pull it back like a little more trust restraint. the audience a little more a little hitchcockian restraint maybe right yeah. you know of uh you know sort of like just, just don't say it yeah you know or like uh so yeah that scene just because i it, it didn't like you know the neighbor didn't come back i thought maybe that she would get killed or something you know because like, she's not and, wrong she's letting you know, crazy she's, patients into their right, apartment what was cool was that you know like the scene starts with somebody it's like you're somebody's clearly watching dr fletcher and it's a female patient mm -hmm. you know talk and then somebody leaves so i guess it's after it wasn't right after barry had left i guess but so i thought maybe barry had gone back and was watching mm. and, and something so it was kind of like to me like yeah i don't know i'm not sure what the purpose of that I, yeah, I think it's to serve as like to show that the world see the sees these people as others, as if that's not readily apparent. Uh, right. Well, especially too, you already get that whole conversation we has with like that other doctor or whoever, like walking through the park. Right. Like you kind of, you're totally right, actually. Alex. And she does. That, the I whole... kind of forgot about that scene. That scene could have easily just been left out of this movie and yeah. used. A couple of Wheel of Fortune cracks. Yeah. Like oh, right. It, yeah. They use their. You can't they use, use your thumb. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. Where yeah, you're right. They and especially because they say almost a lot of the same stuff in that scene with that doctor walking mm -hmm. when the two doctors are talking and walking through the park. So yeah, you're right. That scene and is my issue. Like, she should have said like, "Listen, this is a million and a half dollar." condo or something i don't want these like lunatics walking into the building at all hours of the day yeah you, know, you need to get an office somewhere that's <laughs> yeah. safe i mean i live here you know, if she said that i would have i would have been fine with it you know? yeah. like but it's like no it's fine have like psychopaths like come into my building you know i just don't know how right. you tolerate yeah. it yeah. yeah i don't know yeah me i'm fine with it you know but like i as long as they don't try and kill me yeah or to be our you know <laughs> forebearer of she's in danger right. uh, but again something right. we already can tell from the mood of the movie right. from james mcavoy's right. different unstable trouble no personalities you know that yeah. from second war yeah. yeah yeah all right well there it is it's time for milking it the final game of the podcast worth zero to five points so it's still probably anyone's game to win or to lose however you want to look at it we're each going to draw a card from the big box of Hollywood ideas of prequels, sequels, reboots, and genres. On said card will give you a new way to uh, restructure, reuse, recycle the characters, the plotline, uh, the themes of Split, and make a brand new movie with a title and a quick summary to put back out there and make a billion more dollars for the studio system. So as we uh, unearth the old Hollywood relic here, I believe Brad's going first this time. All right. Go ahead, Brad. Found footage horror film. Oh, interesting. Okay. Especially coming off the heels of The Visit, which is kind of a found footage film. That's true. There you go. Made two in a row now. I'll draw... All right, the prequel. Okay. Okay. So not Unbreakable, but uh, something to deal with Split. And Alex? The sequel. The sequel. Oh. All right. Yeah, see uh, maybe where we can go in exactly. class. Exactly. 
We're getting a trilogy. I can help you write it. Just let me, you know, <laughs> let me see. I'll come up with something very fast. Here's your chance. And yes. nice listening. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment right after this. <laughs> And we're back right in the middle of milking it for M. Night Shyamalan's Split. Uh, Brad. Yes. You drew first and you drew uh, the visit card. The found footage horror film. Yes. <laughs> the Blair Witch Project card. What do you got for us? Um, so in the movie, uh, in the movie, there is a point where the main girl, God, I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, Claire? Claire, yeah. Or Casey? Casey. Yeah, Claire is the girl from Edge of Seventeen. Casey is the girl from The Witch. Right. Two so of my Casey, favorite movies of last year. Casey is trying to break out, uh, and she can't get out of this one room, and she finds a computer. And the computer has, like, 23 different files, and they're videos of each personality talking to the camera. So this movie is going to be uh, a person watching those. So you're kind of seeing these different personalities play out, um... And you're kind of seeing, uh, you know, all the different identities. And the videos, though, will include Dennis and Patricia, which they you don't really see in this mm-hmm. in this movie. So you'll see you'll see the other personalities talking more about Dennis and Patricia, but you'll actually see Dennis and Patricia referring to the captive girls and kind of what's going on there. And we'll see flashbacks to quick more quick flashbacks to what actually happens with the girls, kind of what we see in this movie. Mm-hmm. But it'll be a lot more pulled apart and just kind of seen quick quick glimpses of um and then you'll also be seeing um videos of the doctor and mcavoy sessions so she's recorded a lot of the sessions so you're kind of seeing her interactions with him there and some flashbacks kind of through that and then also her own uh, her own talking to, like, videotaping herself afterwards, mm-hmm. commenting on the sessions and kind of her thoughts on things. So we're going to kind of build the world that way. And then we kind of see everything play out kind of through all these different videos. And then at the end of kind of viewing all the videos, the last one when you see, um, you know, the probably McAvoy kind of saying the la- talking about the beast, the, the, kind mm-hmm. of the last thing and the inevitable, what kind of destruction this kind of being can do. The video will cut out, we'll pan back, and we'll see it's Bruce Willis has been the one watching all of these. Oh, nice. And that's what kind of cut out. I like that, whoa. I do too. Um, And my title, my joke title is Beast Mode, but my actual title is the 24th. Nice. Very nice. I like that a lot, Brad. Thank you. Great job, buddy. Um, All right, you ready for the prequel? That's not Unbreakable. That's not Unbreakable. The non-Unbreakable prequel. Right. Go. So we start with uh, Dr. Fletcher, right? And we go through what seems to be like a a cycle of patience for her day that she's kind of going through. They all keep, uh, seem to be talking about this one incident. All these people are also wearing like the same kind of like um, zoo, say jumpsuit, like uniform for the zoo. Um, and she keeps asking about this incident that happened that probably, you know, pretty soon into the movie it's revealed that it is the incident that we hear about that sets him off the first time in this movie where two teenage girls play this, like, abusive prank on him by making him touch their chests. 
Um, and we're going through all these different people who have like these different perspectives on it and different insights as to what happened. Um, and each, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of say this. So we watch as Kevin has this prank played out on him and he loses control. And then it's revealed to us that all these different people played by different actors are each one of the personalities giving their perspective of the prank. And they're all Kevin. In his, but we're seeing it through Kevin's eyes that he sees them as complete different people. Oh, that's As smart. she cycles through, uh, you know, ends up kind of butting heads with, say, like, uh, some of the more aggressive personalities. Almost, like, loses control. He gets maybe probably a little violent. And she has to use her powers as a psychologist to kind of bring him back together and stabilize his mental health again. So she gets, you know, upon him exploding, she kind of like pushes all these people back in and uh, ends with like this, like, uh, you know, wavering trust of stability that this is going to hold now with kind of Barry in charge and being the one that's most well adjusted to the world. So, yeah. And then, yeah, so that's your little twist at the end is all these people are all Kevin and they're the personalities inside him. Well, that's good. And it's called. We need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. That's really funny. Okay. Good job, man. Thanks. Alex, All complete right. our trilogy here. You got the sequel yes, card. So I have the sequel. And uh, I guess it's already been announced there is going to be a sequel, but we'll see if they want to do it my way or their way, whatever. You know, I mean, like, it's uh, their call. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But, uh, but I'm here for you if you need me. So, uh, we open up, and it is at a house, uh, kind of, you know, an isolated house in the evening, and there's a man standing out front. And uh, we go inside the house, it's Casey's house, you know, where she lives with her abusive uncle. So we're not sure who exactly is outside, is it the Beast, or is it Bruce Willis? Doorbell rings, it's Bruce Willis. So he's come to uh, talk to her about what's going on uh, or what happened. And, you know, it probably, we reveal on the TV in the house, the uncle's watching, and it's like murderers throughout Philadelphia, you know, these teens are getting killed. Um, we're little teens. We're not going to go, like, little children. I don't know. Because, you know, it's just too much. But teenagers, so... Um, Bruce or David Dunn is his is the character's name from Unbreakable, which is also the name of my eighth grade history teacher, which is why I probably remembered it. Wow. Today, yeah. Um, Did you ever test your eighth grade history teachers? I know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, so Bruce goes upstairs, talks to Casey, or David does, and sees you know kind of like the little scars that she has on her, and is picking up something strange is happening. The uncle's, like, very possessive and is kind of lingering out in the hallway, you know. So, um, as Bruce realizes something's happening, uh, the uncle goes and gets his gun. And he's going to confront Bruce as Bruce is going to try and get Casey out of the house. So, as they start to go, they get stopped. The uncle shoots David. He goes down. The uncle does know that David is unbreakable. So, 
He thinks he's got Casey under control again. Bruce gets back up. They struggle. The gun falls over. Uh, Casey picks it up. Kills her uncle. So we kind of have a conclusion to that story there. Brad and I are happy and satisfied. <laughs> Comes full circle. I love it. <laughs> you know. So then, but they're on the run. Because she just killed her uncle. But they got to catch this killer. They can't stop. You know, so Bruce, uh, David, and, David and Casey leave. Um, you know, meanwhile, it, you know, it's like nobody can catch the killer. Uh, the, um, police, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't finding any clues that, okay, I'm losing it here. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. And so what Bruce decides to do, they're on the run. They go to, uh, Mr. Glass, as, as he's called, uh, and to try and get into the mindset of the killer because Bruce is always a step behind them. So the only way that Glass will help them, he says, you've got to take me with you. So they have to break him out. Oh. It's kind of like 48 hours, but, you know, and then so we have, like, uh, the three of them on the run trying to catch the killer. And, you know, there's a... Uh, I would say the one thing that I would kind of want for the Glass character at the end is he redeems himself for all the terrible things he's done, at least by maybe sacrificing himself to uh, to catch the beast. And uh, for a title, I'm not crazy about The Horde. I thought The Beast is better, so I think we'll call the sequel The Beast. I like that. Yeah, yeah. me too. I'm with you there, too. Yeah. I think it is a better name than yeah. The Horde. Although I guess that speaks more to the multiple personalities. Right, this could have been called The Horde, I think. Yeah. And then the Very other true. one would be The Beast, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I like the little kind of a uh, super group you put together there. I enjoy it. Yeah, me yeah. too. I focus nice mostly on the opening scene, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, so does that night, so you're yeah. in good company. <laughs> well, guys, once you're done scoring, please pass your scorecards to the front of the class for final edition. And as we do that, we move into our pessimistic end of the show, podcast regrets. Anything you regret saying or not saying during the duration of the show? I mean, I, my biggest regret is probably... That I only had a slight quick mention that uh, two of the main actresses here, uh, Anna, Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Casey, is starred in The Witch last year. And Haley Lou Richardson, who played Claire, was in The Edge of Seventeen from last year. Both movies, easily two of my favorites of 2016. Um, yeah, and if you haven't seen those movies, I highly recommend them. I really love them both. Uh, yeah, podcast reg regrets. I mean, I guess I regret... Kind of not mentioning a couple things. A, the very psycho-esque credits at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then B, the credits roll at the end with a main the main credits scrolling in front and then uh, 24 mini credits scrolling behind it, which is very clever, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I also wanted to mention the opening car scene when James McAvoy takes the girls. I thought that was filmed very well and kind of builds suspense beautifully. Like, you see somebody approaching the dad and, oh, what, do, can I help you? And then all of a sudden you pan into the car and the main, you know, uh, not Claire, we already see Casey, kind of like sees in the rearview mirror something's been dropped and all of a sudden McAvoy's sitting in the car with them and the two girls in the back don't even notice because they're so into their phones and he sprays them and then he kind of, like, just kind of the whole way that played out was very patient. And I thought that was a very cool way to open this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and get right into it, too. I mean, there's very little time before you're at the abduction. Yeah, one scene. That's yeah. it. Alex, any regrets? Uh, my regret, I guess, would be, you know, I was a little 
about uh, like confused with the guy lives at the zoo, and that he was never discovered. Yeah. And there's all this stuff. I was like, that kind of bothered me. Penguin a little bit of like, layer. what's why does nobody know that like he's living there or that the doctor? I just thought I honestly I thought the doctor should have done more. Yeah, you know, I kind of like I blame this on her. Up on that, Doctor Fletcher. Well, she like, knows he lives in the. Bowels he's living of the in the zoo. bowels of the zoo. Is that really good? And she couldn't pick up on stuff like kind of quick. So I don't know. I kind of wanted a stronger doctor, mm-hmm. and that was just something that like I don't know if it's, you know, I think like the what came back to me while watching a little bit was like I want like Doctor Loomis dealing with this guy. You know, this lady was pretty weak and kind of like you knew she was almost too grandmotherly to like be an adversary for him. Which mm-hmm. I don't know. That was well, she's trying to help him. She's on right. his side, really. right? Like, right. Yeah, it always did strike me a little bit surprising that she didn't see, like, the fact that she goes into his place at the end, like, God, how do you know you're not in danger here? Right. But I guess she's so just trying to help him that that maybe clouds her judgment. It sounds like she's been with him for so long, too, that she doesn't actually believe that he's going to hurt her. Right. Especially as she knows his preference for younger girls. Right. right. Well, then, then the girls were missing. I don't know. I was like, what is it? She sees the news part of the girls missing. Not that you would go right there, but it was like, a little like, well, I don't know. Yeah, after an emergency message from him, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something's going on. What's going on? Just turn off the TV. Those, those, yeah, those yeah. Don't missing, worry about don't, it. Don't worry about that. I mean, it's like, tell me, what is going on, Barry? <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, I got the points tallied. Boy, I am on a cold streak. I came in third place with 15.05 points, which uh, came down between you two, Alex and Brad. Brad edged out, Alex. Oh, 17.15 points to your 17 flat. Wow. So, wow. really did. Nailbiters. 0.15 point over you. Yeah. I imagine it was the impression. <laughs> that was a that all-time Wayne epic. Beast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But Put thank you so room. much, Alex. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, yeah. Great. Always a pleasure to have you on, man. Yeah, please come back again. I'm so glad you picked this movie and made us watch it. I know Brad and I have been discussing it and have been curious about it for since its release. So, uh, yeah, and it's one of those, I think, like, watching it, you'll, I'll think about it a lot. It was some, definitely something that, you know, uh, will be good to revisit and, and uh, you know, listen to the podcast and hear what, you know, what yeah. our thoughts were. And a guaranteed surge in a year and a half when Glass comes out, that this episode will be, uh, <laughs> come straight back into relevance again. Exactly. Do you have anything to plug today? Uh, of course, Killer Party's still streaming on many platforms. Yeah, we're out there on, like, uh, iTunes and Amazon, uh, Vudu. You know, direct TV, those things. So if you want to check it out, I think uh, it's a little horror comedy about a group of friends who get trapped at a baby shower when there's an outbreak that turns people into homicidal maniacs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, nice little like a uh, low budget uh, horror comedy we made here in LA, a bunch of friends. Um, so yeah, if you if you have a chance, to check that out. Um, but yeah, nothing else right now to plug. Easy enough. Yeah. Man. Brad Davis. Uh, Twitter, BD, always GP, same on Instagram, and uh, on my Twitter page, you can find uh, my baseball blog, I Love You, Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, weekly baseball blog. Excellent, yeah. Uh, I'm at Cross Maxwell, that's Chris with an O instead of an I, across your social media accounts, and at High on Film is the show for all your uh, social media purposes as well. Please email email us at thehighonfilmshow at gmail.com. Uh... Leave a review on iTunes as well. Always helps with our exposure. We got, what, a review out of Alien Covenant right now, plus the the original three Alien movies, our last three episodes. And, yeah, a lot more fun stuff to come in the coming weeks. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>